0: Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website GirlfriendIt.com and the movement GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com.
1: Well, who does God have you running into consistently? So if I'm hearing you correctly,
2: what you're asking is, who is God throwing in my path? to connect with, you know, those people that you just, all of a sudden you, you run into them like two or three times at different things. You're like, okay, is this a coincidence or is this like something more?
1: Absolutely. Sometimes you're not running into them. Even you're running away from them, but you keep seeing them.
2: Okay. (laughs) Let me clarify. You may run away. I run into because I'm, you know, I'm a little bit more in tune and relationally wise. (laughs) Okay, that's whatever. Okay, okay, before we get started growing in our relationships too much here, we just want to remind everyone that you're listening to Girlfriend It Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's
1: show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, joining us now is Melissa Hoffmeister from the Ministry of Bloom. Bloom provides inspiration, encouragement, and resources for planners' spouses so they can provide the same to their families, staffs, and churches. Melissa has served in various roles for Stadia, a global church planning organization since 2008, and she is currently their associate director of events and serves on the leadership team of Bloom, which is a ministry of Stadia, and Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. They work with people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planning. But I love it. They say they won't stop until every child has a church. Um, that is such a, a great tagline. And um, we we all need to be more focused on realizing, okay, what's, what's happening to the next generation? And Melissa is also on the teaching team for Lake Point Church in Wisconsin which she and her husband Brian planted in 2012. She enjoys speaking regularly in various venues and coming up with adventures for her three boys. So welcome, Melissa, how are you today? I'm great, how are you guys? We are, so far, we were, we were having way too much fun this morning and um, as always, we have a little bit more, uh, too much caffeine in our, in our system. But we, we've been telling stories, a few of them about you that we won't repeat on the air. But um, that should make you nervous. Nice. <laughs> but we were just talking about who God puts in your life, like literally just collides in your path. And we know you have quite a bit of stories about how God has put um, people in, in your path as well as your family. You, have, um, you go on this mission together so, tell us a few of the stories that you have and that you've seen how God collides people into your life.
3: Sure, I would love to share. Um I just have a great passion for really capitalizing on what God's doing in our everyday life as a family and I've just seen him show up in so many amazing ways. Um in the last two years, my middle son he's just fallen in love with Cub Scouts and so we find ourselves doing all sorts of projects along that route. Um and when we first joined Cub Scouts, we started to get to know the Cub Scout leader, um, and just really took it as our passion to cheer for him. You know, it's a lot of volunteer time that any in any extracurricular activity that a parent puts in and um so we just took it upon ourselves to start praying for their family and to cheering for the time that they put into making Cup scouts a fun event for our family. And we saw how that impacted him um, on a personal level as well as on a family level and just started to, um, you know, interact casually. We invited their family to join the basketball um, team. My husband was coaching and they said, yeah, I would love to, you know, do a sport with you guys. And so Probably after about nine months of hanging out on their turf and doing the things that they loved, um, they started to get to know our family and asked about what makes us different. And we invited them um, to some church activities after hanging out just at our house. And so they started to do life with us a little bit on our turf and experiencing God in our home and God um, at our church, which was a new environment for them. They actually came once and then didn't come back for about six months. It just wasn't where they were at, and we still just loved them on their turf um, for that time. But after about 18 months, of we started meeting with some other couples in our home just to talk about culture and life and what it means to be a family um, and following what God, God has for us as a family. We would meet every other week at our house and talk about things like that, and it's exciting to be able to say that our Cub Scout leader is now following Jesus, but it took us being in his life for about nine months and then him experiencing Jesus in our lives and the things we do for nine months um, that he came to faith in our house um, with those other families around. And there's a couple of the other families who aren't there yet, and so it's fun for them to get to watch him transform his life um, right in front of them. And so now he's he's the one who is impacting these other families probably even more than we are. Um, so that just probably the most recent example. But we just see it just being intentional where our kids already are or we are, where we already are um, has had the greatest impact for the kingdom for our family.
2: Well, you know, kids are such a great connector, and because um, they they just they make friends easily and it allows you to kind of do that. And I know. Um, it's it's fun now because being at the grandparents' day, and I got to tell you that going to like uh, baseball and t ball games is so much more fun as a grandparent because you don't have to get them all ready for the game, and you don't have to worry, <laughs> and you don't have to worry about the snacks. You know, being that snack parent that week, so you just got to go sit there and, and cheer, cheer. But it, it's really fun because um our two grandkids that are like six and five were on the same team, and they just finished like a week ago, and. Just being with the other parents and, you know, you're you're bonded because you're all are cheering each other's kids on and, you know, watching them you know, not do what they're supposed to do, like not even run around a base because at that age they're trying to, they don't even know what to do. And so it's just, it's <laughs> hilarious watching it. But um, it's really fun because I just, I was just telling Patty just the other day that um, there was this one dad on the team that my son just went up to and they, they got connected just because like, okay, is, is your son going to play in the next one? And, you know, maybe we can get the guys on the same team, the little boys. And, and then he just went up, you know, he, my um, my daughter-in-law encouraged him to just, you know, text him and invite him over because my son does Monday nights with guys at his house. And he just randomly said, hey, I get a bunch of guys together on Monday nights. Do you want to just come over and hang? And this guy said yes. And he showed up. And it's amazing because it's like, I don't know that I would have done that to a stranger kind of, you know, and just shown up with a bunch of people. I probably would. But a lot of people wouldn't. And (laughs) I just think it's amazing that it really isn't that difficult to make friends and to do that. It's just the ask. And a lot of times mm-hmm. we don't even, we already assume they're going to say no, or they wouldn't want to. And so we don't even put it out there and risk that. And, um, I find it amazing when people do say yes. And then, then it's like, okay, then what are we going to say? What are we going to do? You know, you kick kicking down with that <laughs> panic, but, um, it is really fun. It's just asking, like you said, you know, and bringing them in mm-hmm. and bringing them along and just having
1: fun and developing that friendship. But don't you think that the enemy has created this busyness in our life that I know for me, I think if I ask, I have to then um, make time for a new relationship. And I think that is such um, a lie that we believe rather than just going, you know, for right now, just ask and whatever happens tomorrow happens tomorrow rather than thinking ahead going, oh, you know, then we're going to have to start talking to each other on the phone. And then we're going to have to start, you know, I think, too, as mm. women, we we start looking at the big picture.
3: Yeah. I found, um, you know, just holding on to the fact that God will give you what you need in those relationships. It's so interesting how we've had where we began the process with some families or, or individuals. My husband's really, you know, kind of brought this man um Walk him through to this step, but then God brought this new couple into our home who are solid Christians and are new to the city and they have just picking up this family where we are unable to kind of take them to the next level of their faith. God just brought this new family into our lives to do that and they've, they've bonded and it's a perfect fit. Um, and so yeah, I think sometimes we just need to trust that. God's got the big picture in mind and he knows when seasons will shift and we may not be able to be the right person to take any relationship to, you know, the next step, but he's got us covered.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: Well, and I think it it just goes back to just being available and just watching and Mm -hmm. being aware and just the movement. And like you said, you know, sometimes you just run into somebody. I think we've all had that where you just run into them in just random ways or random places. And you're just like, okay, I need to say something um, to them. And it's um, I'll tell you real quick. So we have two minutes, but I'm going to the story. Uh, this goes back. Like, 15 years ago, my daughter and I were sitting in an Applebee's and we noticed this family and they had a special needs child and another little boy. And just their interaction with their kids was really, really sweet. And we were just drawn to kind of this family watching them. And so um, we thought it was really cool and everything. And we walked by and just said, your family just seems really sweet and your boys and everything. Well, then like two months later, I see this family at our church. I see them walking in and it was one of those you know how you see somebody you're like, where do I know them from? I know them from somewhere. And then it dawned on me that's the Applebee's family. So I went over to them and I just said, Oh, my daughter and I, we said hi to you. I probably don't remember. We watched you guys and it was, you know, really sweet and really cool. How how nice to meet you and introduce and everything. And so I'd run into her a couple times. And then um as time has gone on and I now I'm in a different campus that I go to, and so I haven't, you know, seen them and it's been fifteen years. So this just this past Easter I see this lady walk in, and her sons are now like 16 years old, and and I'm seeing this lady, and again, I'm like, okay, I know her from somewhere. Where do I know her from? And I remember it's the Applebee's lady again, and so I went up and, inter- and reintroduced, and I'm like, I don't know if you even remember this, and it was just really cool. We had had another conversation, but it is fun how, over time, you just run into the same people in different ways, and it's and you remember them it 's like you don 't forget them it's like I remember this bonding, so I always think that's just kind of fun and how random like over years that that can that can still happen so i don't know I had to share that story because it really it was kind of fun for me. I love when you run into somebody and you go, remember when and
3: yes. um, mm-hmm.
2: yeah yeah, so anyway, well, have- we're going to take um a quick break from all our little gabbing and all our connecting and randomness here. And we'll be right back with Melissa. We're going to keep talking about just the intentional ways that sometimes God brings people into our life and our response. We'll be right back.
0: For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming
5: to the world. Have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Then join us for Sex Talk with Lou with your host Lou Paget on Toginet Wednesday nights nine eight Central. Do you want to recreate a truly connected relationship, or wonder how do I tell my kids about things? Join Lou Paget, one of the world's best-selling authors in the field of sexuality, a certified sex educator and sought-after expert for all media and her renowned expert guests as they discuss anything and everything about sex that impacts our lives and our families' lives. For more on Lou, check out her website, Loupaget.com. This is the show where the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health can finally give you the answer to that question. Join us for Sex Talk with Lou with your host, Lou Padgett, Wednesday nights at 9, 8 central on toginet.com.
0: Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
1: Well, we've been discussing how God will just put somebody in your path. And if you have your eyes open and, and you're ready for that, and you've been praying for, you know, God to do that, put people in your life that you can have an impact on and also that can have an impact on you. It's crazy how you see God working. And we've been chatting with Melissa Hoffmeister and she is on the teaching team for Lake Point Church in Wisconsin. And her and her husband, Brian, actually planted this church in 2012. Um, and and Melissa, you have some great stories about how God has put, um, you know, people in your life. And I I think it's interesting as, um, you were saying that, Lisa. How God will put someone on your path, and you really, you, you kind of get that sense in your spirit that they are being put there, you know, intentionally. And then you, they kind of go away. So you go, "What was that all about?" And it's, especially you and I, Lisa, we have a tendency to celebrate our victories before they even take place, and so we get so, so excited. And we'll, you don't well, ask. You don't have to tell all our secrets, okay. <laughs> have this whole story unfold and then, you know, people will come back and ask us whatever happened to that gal you guys were working with, or, you know, we're like, Oh yeah, we don't see her. anymore. And what, what I found out though, um, just, especially just in the last decade that you might not see the whole, you know, happily ever after ending that just these seeds, that you're a part of this incredible story that, um, Maybe we won't even hear or see the ending on the side of heaven. And that's been a huge eye-opening experience for me is to see how, who you think God is putting in your life. And now you, you can see, and you're so excited about it. And then all of a sudden, boom, it might be that person's husband or their sister or somebody else that you get to meet through them that you realize, okay. All of it was orchestrated from God, and it might not have the same ending that you would have thought if you would have written the story. And um, y- you have made a comment, Melissa, because y- your whole family, you get them in on the mission. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And do you guys actually have like a mission statement for your family?
3: <laughs> yeah, we actually do. Well, it, it lines up um, when we planted Lake Point Church, it really flew out of our personal mission of helping people connect to Jesus in everyday life through everyday relationships. And so from little on, our kids, um, you know, we would pray together as a family that they would have the eyes um, of Jesus as they would go throughout their school day or um, as we would go to work and in in our workplaces. And they would come back and we'd share those stories. I think we've really learned the same lesson to celebrate just the victory for today. What did God show? How did God show up just today in your everyday life? And, um, because for us, it, we are only a little sliver of what he's doing in this earth. And, um, but he's all about partying and he wants us to celebrate when, when we obey and when we hear his voice. And of course, um, it's good to reflect when we maybe heard his voice and didn't take action because it's a lot easier to see the next time around. Um, when he does call us to say something or to take that, that step, like you mentioned of, you know, inviting someone over that you wouldn't expect. Um, we love, we love just being intentional in our everyday life. That's really what God's put on our heart.
1: I I think that's so
3: cool. Oh, go ahead.
1: I'm sorry. Well, we're so used to interrupting each other, <laughs> so I just I have to tell you, um, I I was with a bunch of kids and um, we were having this this party and it was time just to pray over the food, and I overheard some of their conversations and it was like just this nasty nasty conversation. So when I went to pray, I brought that conversation into the prayer. And just said, you know, thank you, God, that we can, we don't have to compartmentalize anything, that you are in every single aspect of our life. And we just thank you for, and I said kind of what they had said. And um, it was so funny when I finished praying, the look on their face was, A, I cannot believe you heard that. And B, I can't believe you put that in a prayer. But I just, I was laughing when you said, you know, then we talk with our fans, just the little things that God knows everything about our, our world and what's going on in our day. So it just, it, I had to tell that story how it's, it, it is funny because I don't think they realize that we are listening. And so is God to every single aspect yeah. of what's going on in our life. So I'm sorry, Lise, what were you going to say? Oh, I don't know.
2: It's okay. You had a better story. I <laughs> love <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was gonna comment it's like Melissa like you bring in your kids along and I just remember when we were doing um doing ministry and our kids were little and we just said, You have a place too. It's just not um you know, dad's role or mom's role. It's all of us have a part to play. And it is really fun when your kids get to experience out even at early age that they see God using them. And, um, they feel a part of it. And I think they just grow up going, this is what you do in life. You give back to people. You connect with people. You look. And so what a great teaching thing to do with your kids at an early, early age. It's never too early because even in their little minds, they're comprehending more than we realize. And, um, I think if, you know, I wish, I wish we all could learn even at an early age to, to just be aware of what's around and who's around us and, and really see things in the moment and not get so caught up in the busyness of life that we just look over things and over people mm-hmm. and don't really see what's right in front of us. And I know you have a few suggestions, Melissa, that, that you've shared, um, just some tips mm-hmm.
4: to,
3: to walk away with with that. Yeah, I think um, we mentioned earlier the lies of Satan, and I think just recognizing that, he, that God isn't calling all of us to do these huge, big ministry projects or nonprofits to save the world. But what he has called us to is right in front of us. He's called us maybe to a job. He's called us to maybe be a wife or a mother or a grandmother. And so what you know about yourself is where you should start. You can't do anything bigger than your own personal calling. And so start there. is um, I guess probably my first suggestion begin by asking God, where do you have me right now? And give me the eyes like he, like Jesus had, you know, he needed water. He went to the well. And so he engaged with the woman at the well. And that was a significant relationship. He needed dinner. And so he hung out with Mary and Martha and they grew in their um, discipleship because he had to eat with them. Um, and so just taking advantage of where he has you today is, is the first step. And then, I think the next thing is just believing that he will show up in everyday life, um, just as he did on earth, and then celebrating that, um, whether that's, you know, journaling on your own if you're single or celebrating as a family when you're together, um, just talking about how he's shown up, it's contagious. I mean, even in my um, workplace, I always try to be intentional about, hey, here's a story where I saw God show up. Sometimes I use the word God. Sometimes I use... Um, you know, just share about my my life if they're not really close to God yet and just let them see how my life is on mission. But I think that by celebrating, people start to see the world differently as well, and they want to have stories that they can celebrate um, about life change. So I think those are the areas that we found. Um, and then finally, you know, be honest and open um, with yourself and God and your family and repent about the areas maybe or you find yourself living for yourself rather than for his kingdom. um, That's just such a healthy place to be because it helps, you know, continue to bring you back to what, what the world is all about. And, and, and to be able to say no to the lies of Satan of busyness or um, I'm not good enough, or I'm not bold enough. Um, He'll help sort all that out when we really just lay before him or, you know, just confess to him, these are the areas that, seem too tough for me to overcome mm-hmm. well
2: and you know it really is when you start looking like you said um just in your own life and where God's calling you and I think that's such a great point you made it's like we don't have to go start this huge nonprofit and all this stuff and you see these huge things and I think it tends to cause us to kind of diminish within ourselves you're like oh, I should be doing something on a grand scale, and I, I'm not, and we we compare, and it's like, mm-hmm. no, you just do what God's calling you, and it's in those simple, ordinary moments that profound things happen, and like you said, Jesus needing water, and he meets this woman at the well, and so it's like, what is in our everyday routine where we we need something, whether it's a grocery store or whatever, that you never know when God's going to give you this amazing encounter with somebody, and you have no idea What difference that can make, but you just got to step into obedience. And I think when you start looking around like that, and then, like you said, celebrating that God's showing up, it changes your perspective. And it's so easy to get caught up in what's going around us and and just the the darkness and kind of the evil. But it's like God is still doing some amazing things if we just are looking for them and we're celebrating them. So I think it really does change our perspective on how we see God. Well, okay, Melissa, we have like two minutes. And it's gone by so fast. What is something you just want to say to just encourage other women
3: um, just with your journey with all of this? I would just say that he has made you with a passion and you don't have to be like anyone else. So just really show up where he, you know, pour yourself into the areas that are fun for you and let him work through that. Um, And don't, yeah, don't be put in a box with how he wants to use you. I think he's got a great plan for your life and it shouldn't be pressure and stress. It should be fun and rejoicing and abundance and he will show up. And I've seen it over time and time again. And the times when you feel discouraged and you feel like he's not there um, or you pour into a relationship that just goes into a messy, messy place, um, know that that might be part of his process and to not be discouraged if that's where he takes you for a season. Um, I've had to walk through a lot of messy seasons with people, and those have been some of the best growing times for me personally, as well as just watching them walk through that.
2: And that is such a great, you know, just a reminder that, you know, it, it's, it doesn't mean it's all bliss. And it's like, you never know, It that's a significant part of the journey, too. And just being mm-hmm. there with people showing up, and sometimes it's just, Sitting with them and saying I understand, or just sitting in silence. But you never know how profound and how significant those moments are. So, um, I, I just love the reminder you gave us. Um, several of them, just to be aware and to be intentional, and to just watch for where God's moving and working, and where we can actually join Him. And um, it is fun to celebrate that, and to celebrate it with girlfriends. And so we just so appreciate you and the ministry of bloom and the amazing network of women. I got to see some of you guys just a few weeks ago and I just love you guys, your heart and the fun. Um, so shout out to, uh, Debbie and Vanessa and the rest of you guys. And Melissa, you're just delightful. You light up a room. So thank you for joining us and making a difference and your corner of the world. We'll be right back.
3: Thanks girls.
0: This is Girlfriend it on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended radio right after these. We were thriving
2: in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California.
0: Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show, on togynet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
1: Well, we want to welcome you back, and we were just talking about celebrating life, and Um, being aware of who God is putting right directly in front of you and we are going to just continue chatting about celebrating and being aware with Tamara Alexander and she is the USA Today best-selling author of numerous books including A Lasting Impression, A Beauty So Rare, To Whisper Her Name, and From a Distance. Her richly drawn characters and thought-provoking plots have earned her devoted readers worldwide as well as multiple industry awards. And these awards, just the list can go on. And we are so excited, Tamara, to have you on the show. Now, you actually live in Colorado. You've been there for almost 20 years. Um, and But you're returning to some of your your southern roots and um, writing this new book, uh, the new novel to win her favor during the years following the Civil War. So how are you, Tamara? And we're so excited to have you on the show today. Hey, thank you so much. And I'm, I'm honored.
4: I'm honored to be with you. I love Girlfriend at Radio and um, just really appreciate the invitation to join you. And yes, we are back um, back in the South. I was born and raised in Atlanta, but you're right. We we went West for about 20 years or so and um, in 2000. Seven, we moved back to the south and to Nashville to Music City, which we love living here. But I just, I live a stone's throw from the mansions about which I write, um, the Belle Plantation and the Belmont Mansions. So it's, it's very convenient and we, and we love living here. Well,
2: Nashville is like one of my favorite cities and I oh, cool. love
4: Nashville. In fact, when Patty
2: and I yeah. were traveling there one year, we had to go there for a, a couple of meetings and, um, I said, okay, can I own Nashville? Cause I love this city yeah. so much and do that. <laughs> so we always, we would always, when we travel, like one of us would own a city. And so I claimed Nashville and I oh, was just good. there last fall and I, I just, it's so charming and the history and the mansions. Like you said, I'm so jealous that you live there. And live um, a stone's throw because it just there's something really unique and special, and just the history that's so rich. There, um, some of it is, good, some there. of it not so good. And I know right, that you've written right. a little bit about with the Civil War and um, the mm-hmm. storylines there. And um, I, mm-hmm. I, I, my husband is a big Civil War. Um, he loves that. We've been to a lot of the uh, yes. battlefields out there. This show could go on and oh, on
1: and yeah. on, I think. Because... Yeah, yeah. Mm. I, could, I
2: could I could, commiserate <laughs> with you. But um, how did you get into, like, writing, like, during this time? And um, is, was there a reason or something you wanted to learn or glean? Or what was it about that?
4: Well, you know, there was, um, I, you know, growing up in Atlanta, I grew up around the Antebellum mansions all around Atlanta. And um, I developed a... A very early, um, a, a love for history and specifically our southern history at a very young age. And, um, that made a huge impression on me. And just I'll, I'll share one specific moment in, in my life. I was preteens because I remember we had, um, I wasn't, I wasn't, um, I wasn't old enough to drive yet. And after church on Sunday night, after youth group and all that, a group of us would, go to um we called it the Coke mansion because it had been owned by the people who had started Coke. And we but uh, this was an old boarded up mansion at the time. Since in the years since it's been renovated and of course privately owned again. But, um, we would go there, and um, if you knew where to look in the back of the mansion, there were some boards that were loose and um if you knew exactly how to get in, you could kind of shinny in there and um and I remember we took our flashlight and we'd look around, we'd go down into the basement into the cellar areas, and I remember just running my hands literally just across the walls, those old bricks and and just wondering about the people who lived there, which then and into high school and then into college um, really just deepened uh, my search and, and love for American history. And again, specifically about the Civil War and post-Civil War, the Reconstruction era, um, you know, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed and freedom for the African-American slaves. Um, was signed in in into law but as we know the the prejudice and everything that went along with that just because something is signed on paper doesn't make it true in real life and there was so much struggle after the civil war um, and both you know both sides um, coming together learning how to be with each other learning their new place in life um, some not wanting it to change and other abolitionists fighting for the change that they thought, you know, should, I mean, you know, they were against slavery from the start. So it was all of that and just spirit forged with steel, it seems, Uh, when you look back through history, read the diaries, read the newspaper accounts, and specifically read the history of, of, um, of the, of these southern mansions of Meade Plantation, which is where to win her favor and to whisper her name or set. Um, so all of that just kind of, you know, so for a long time, that's what, uh, that's what spurred me. So when we moved to Nashville, I had already written seven Colorado historicals and loved writing Colorado everywhere I wrote about in Colorado. I visited, you know, that was our, that was basically our backyard and our playground for about 20 years as the kids were growing up, but I was ready as as a writer. I was ready for a change at that point to write something different after seven Colorado books. So, turned um, turned my pen toward the Southern Mansions and have just found a rich heritage and not surprising some of the same issues that they dealt with then. As I mean, I, I started writing this book a year and a half ago and. Just in recent weeks and months, um, just till the unrest and the need for healing um, in this country is still so prevalent. So this book deals a lot, you know, a lot with um, with with prejudice, but also with the hearts of people and with those intimate hearts of people, and as they um, with the relationships between former slave owners and the freedmen themselves and. Um, And, of course, the fabulous thoroughbred history of Bell Mead Plantation. A lot of people don't realize that all the Kentucky Derby winners in the last 20 to 30 years, all of those thoroughbred champions, American Pharaoh, even the 2015, um, the uh, Kentucky Derby winner, American Pharaoh Traces, their lineage traces its lineage back to Bellmead Plantation to horses that stood there in 1860s and 70s. So, all wow. of that history is, is, is really what drew me. So people ask, well, how did you how did you come to write this? You know, it's a varied answer, but just all of that rich heritage just drew me, and there are just endless endless possibilities for stories. So, um, and all these novels are just chock full of of, of real history.
2: Well, and it, it, like you said, it's like, it's, it's not just these issues are not just historical, but they're, they're modern Mm -hmm. day. So you see, Mm -hmm. you know, some common threads, um, into the past and that's carrying even into today and you're, you know, that are headlined still today. And so Mm -hmm. like you said, we still need that healing and Mm -hmm. as a country, but as individuals, and I know Mm -hmm. that's what we're just passionate about is how do we Create a different dialogue where we're talking uh-huh. about, you know, where love, you know, love does win. And how do we use right. that instead of, um, you know, the same, the same strategies that we've had? But it's truly it's loving exactly. each person, respecting, giving them their dignity and, and uh-huh. stepping into that and changing it. And even as women, changing it in the conversations we have with our children and our grandchildren so that they're uh-huh. not, um, just you know, kind of absorbing what our culture and what they're reading and just society's telling them. But really, this is from God's lens, what we're supposed to be doing, Mm -hmm. loving and healing and being that voice. And so it does create opportunities to see Mm -hmm. that we really are not that different than, you know, Mm a 100 years ago in some ways. We still have a lot to learn and a lot to heal. So as you Mm -hmm. stepped into it, I'm fascinated by like, did you hang out at this mansion just to just to kind of feel the ambiance and just to kind of get almost into character as you're writing.
4: Absolutely, absolutely. I, tell you, I I wouldn't be able to write these mansions with the authenticity, not just of the history of the family and the freedmen who lived and worked and died there, but also um, just the authenticity of, of the house and the architecture and what was there in the house and all of that without the curator's assistance and, and without them opening up all of the family files and, and the letters and I'm, I'm looking across the room right now at this huge binder of letters from, uh, from the Bellmead plantation and, um, that have been, and some of them have been transcribed, which is fabulous because don't you know those, I mean, you know, everyone, we've all seen those old letters with the beautiful script, but oh my word, it's hard to, it's harder to read and very slow to read. So a lot of them have been translated, which is, it was just an author's dream, quite frankly. And my husband often reminds me that, you know, I'll just, I'll be amazed that no one had written novels about these two mansions before. And my husband reminds me, this is a gift. I mean, just just for me to be able to, to come in to have the history and to be able to partner with these mansions. I was just at Bell Need uh what was on Tuesday afternoon, um they'll just call and say, hey, you know, we've got busloads of people coming in. Um Bell specifically has over two hundred and fifty thousand unique visitors per year to their mansion. Um and they and they hand sell my books there and just tell people, you know, Mm. you can read this. This is about the real history. Um and it's also you know, it's Christian fiction, so it's uplifting. It's got the it's got a message of hope. Yes, it deals with some really um, tough issues and you know the things that we've already discussed but but it but it leaves on that on that message of hope but i couldn't write these books without um without the bell need and belmont curates and their staff opening up the homes and i've had the best time sometimes after hours in their writing and they'll just let me have um you know just kind of just kind of turnkey and i'll go in and just as you said you soak up The ambiance of that house. And, you know, a lot of readers who have, who have, you know, they've asked, have you ever seen anything or heard anything strange Mm -hmm. while you're in Mm -hmm. there? Mm -hmm. You know, I hear that, I hear the house creaking and there is, I have never seen an apparition. I've never seen anything like that. But these old homes definitely have a presence. They just mm-hmm. they have a presence about them. They walk in, and you know there's just been so much living, loving, um, dying, quite frankly, just so much um, within those walls, and sometimes I just think how how can it not you know soak up some of the lives that have that have been there? But I do very much feel closer to the characters when I'm there, and um, I was at Belmont. Which is the setting of a beauty so rare and a lasting impression. Oh, this was a couple, a couple of months ago. I was there for a meeting with the curator and we're talking about history for the, for the book I'm writing now, the third book in the, in the Belmont series. And, um, you know, and I, I, I would almost swear that one of the characters is going to walk around the corner, you know, or I'll mm. see Adelicia, who, who, who is the, Adelicia Ackland, who is the mistress of Belmont Mansion. Um, back in the 1860s and 70s so but yes i just um i, I feel very i'm very grateful to them for giving the access to houses um, that they do and um i'm very grateful well tamra
2: we're going to take a break we're going to be right back talking more of history and Great. modern current day okay we'll be right back
0: From the heartland of the United States, with quality programming, this is TokiNet Radio. Are you fascinated by the stories behind the stories, the people behind their masks, the truth about people's failures and redemptions in both their business and personal lives? Then Off the Record Secrets of with host Judy Schreiner is for you. It's people's secrets that make them interesting, but very few folks are willing to reveal them unless they trust that their information will be treated with accuracy, fairness, and respect. People have been entrusting their secrets to longtime business journalist Judy Schreiner for the last 25 years, and now she's bringing her expertise and impressive contact list. Tune in and call in as host Judy Schreiner talks to guests off the record as they reveal new secrets each Tuesday at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central.
1: we've been chatting with Tamara Alexander and she is the USA Today best-selling author of numerous books. And Tamara, I have to say, I'm just gobbling up even the way that you communicate. I, I love how authors are able to be so creative and imaginative that they can write down these incredible words to flow in such a way that it just draws the, the reader in. But I can tell you're drawing the listeners in. Just You, you finished the, the last segment talking about being in the, the walls of the, the castles with – you know, living and loving and dying, Mm -hmm. how you're looking at, you know, all the people that, that were once there. And, um, it's, it's captivating. It really is. Um, but I just have to ask you, how old were you? I'm noticing just in my own kids, how you can see their, their gifts and, um, you're curious as to what they're going to do with it. How old were you when you discovered this talent that you had in writing?
4: Well, you know, I always loved, um, I've always loved story and I've always uh, I've always loved writing but I got to share when I was about 12 or 13 years old someone who was very influential in my life at the time picked up something that I had written and I am sure I guarantee you it was some silly poem about a boy or something like that but they came to me and they said that they thought I would be making a fool of myself if I let anybody read what I'd written. Well, due to some sexual abuse issues as as a younger girl, and and the perpetrator was not in my home, this was someone outside of the home, um, you know, I just, I lacked the faculties to be able to deal with that. So I just, I didn't want to make a fool of myself. So I just, I shoved that, if you want to call it that gift, I just shoved it down and just, Dusted away because I, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to knowingly make that of myself. So when it got to college time, I thought very briefly about writing, but that old voice came up again, and I thought, well, um, probably not. And so I went into business, and I and I went into I went into marketing and loved it, and it fit me. So for twenty years, I worked in corporate conference coordination and doing several other things, and was very very happy. And, um, then my mother-in-law, back in 1995, uh, Claudette Harris Alexander, she gave me a book and she said, Tamara, I really think you will love this. And she said it, she said it was an unconditional, um, uh, uh, love about God about, uh, or an unconditional story about God's love and I think you'll love it. Honestly, I took one look at the cover and thought, I don't think I will, but thank you so much anyway. (laughs) And I did. I just thought, so, but I didn't want to hurt her feelings. Me and the Southern girl, you know, thank you so much. And then I shelved it. And Claudette asked me a couple months later, have you read that book? And again, about God's unconditional love. And I said, no, I haven't, but I will. Well, we got a call, not just a handful of weeks later, and Claudette at age 58, had died very suddenly of a brain aneurysm. Mm -hmm. And um, turn ahead, you know, speed ahead weeks. I mean, weeks or two three or four months later, I'm I'm downstairs, this this is in Colorado at the time, and I'm cleaning my bookshelves, and um, I happen across that book. I hadn't thought about it, and of course, what do I do right then? Of course. I mean, just, I sit down, I stop everything, and read it, and read it in one afternoon, and she was right. Claudette was right. It was just a beautiful story about God's unconditional love, and in all of my years of Bible study, which I was raised in a Christian home, and um, the love for God's Word has been ingrained and instilled in me at a very young age, but I'm. And she was right, and and that book was Love Comes Softly by Jeanette mm-hmm. Oak, um, which of course, if, if if the viewers or if the, uh, listeners have have read um, uh, or, or watched the Hallmark Channel then they've they've mm-hmm. seen those, and uh, but that led me on um, just very briefly. That led me on a very a quick search for all the historical Christian fiction you could find, which I've got to tell you, back in 1995, wasn't much. <laughs> it was like yeah. one shelf, and then, and then we were done. Speed ahead, ahead a couple of years, and I'm riding in the car with my husband. We're coming back from Texas. I finish a novel, and totally kidding, I toss it in the back seat and tell him, I think I could write one of those. And he just said, We've always been slightly competitive. And he said, Well, why don't you? So I did. So, you know, and, but even, even when I started out, that voice, you know, from the childhood came back again. But during those years, Cause I was in my early, that was in, um, what roughly about twelve, ten, ten 10, or 12 years ago. I had grown a ton and God had healed a lot of those childhood wounds. So he kind of dusted off that, um, what I call, you know, this discarded dream, even though I, you know, I'd left it behind so, so long ago, but, um, and a reader asked me recently, do you miss those, you know, the 20-some-odd years that you could have been writing, and those were wasted? And I said, oh, no, no, dearest, those were not wasted. My very first book, uh, Rekindled, was about unmet expectation in marriage. And how do you, um how, you know, in marriage isn't what you thought it would be. Um, how do you deal with that, and how do you let God um basically just um breathe new life into your marriage and joe and i we'll uh we'll go on 30 we're um we're going on 31 years of marriage this uh, this year but we really only count 30 because that first year was just flat hard That hard, (laughs) that was flat hard and you know but we but we joke about it but you know i couldn't have written that book and 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 my other book that Deal with so many other issues that honestly only come with having lived and having mm-hmm. a little bit of life under your belt. And uh, so I don't use those years as wasted at all. And it really honed my marketing skills, which in this marketing, in this marketing era with publishing, um, is really coming in handy. So uh, God, God never wastes a thing, but He did. I mean, I had that dream long, long ago. I guess as a little girl, you know, when I was reading Little House on the Prairie and long winter and all that stuff, but, uh, he really dusted it off basically in the last decade or so and kind of breathed new life into it for which I'm very grateful.
2: Well, I, I, uh, it is really cool how God does restore and redeem dreams. And a lot of times we have those Mm -hmm. dreams. And then, like you said, life happens and situations happen or somebody's voice. It just is, it's screaming louder than God's whisper. And we, we bury Mm -hmm. things and sometimes it's just time to resurrect them and go, this yep. was something that was inciting me way back when. Why am I allowing this other person to dictate my, my journey and not listen to the voice mm-hmm. of God? And, you know, you talk about, you know, just the um, the difficulties of life. You wouldn't be, you know, had you not had that one year or, you know, different life experiences that really kind of shape your thinking. And um, it's kind of like you, you have these scars and these scars really, I've learned to embrace them and go, but they're part of my story. And I wouldn't be who I am unless I had these scars and unless I had those moments, um, my story Mm -hmm. wouldn't be all that it is. And Mm -hmm. so I think it's, it's learning to accept those and even embrace those and see those differently. And obviously you, like Patty said earlier, you have, um, for being able to express those and allowing others to see things through your own writing. And so, um, I love your imagination, even how you're talking about, you know, stepping into the old mansions and you know what happened there and, and, um, you know, taking that, you know, if these walls could talk kind of thing. And I think there's mm-hmm. something really cool about that.
3: Mm.
4: Well thanks. And you know, I just um I I just feel so strongly just you know what what you said just to to tag on to that is that you're you're never too old to start something new. Again, I was speaking to a group of women recently, and we were talking about that, and several of them had said, "You know, I I wanted to do this, but really the time has passed." I'm like, "No, no, it's not. If this is God, if this is from God, if this is something to pray about, it put it out there, and if He opens the door, if He blesses it, you're never too old to start something new." And something else I always tell um I tell the young writers or, or aspiring writers. Um, is that you know every no along the way is really part of God's final yes when His perfect timing is reached. My first book was rejected several times. Several times it was just the one right after Joe said, "Well, why don't you write one?" I said, "Well, okay." And I was I was working part time outside the home, so my time to write was 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. And I just started writing the story, and and it was rejected, and I stuck it in my drawer and thought, you know, I'm going to take two years, and really learn how to write instead of just saying, hey, I think I'll write. Um, so really, you know, dedicated myself and dissected my favorite novels, a lot of them Francine Rivers novels. Love that woman, love her novels, just absolutely fabulous. But, but you know, then at, at the right time, seven years later, my agent called, and she said, you know, Tamara, um, the, the women of faith, Conference, they have a, they have a book line and they want you to write the first historical. And I said, I don't have time in my schedule. I am booked. And she said, do you not have anything really? She said, you don't want to turn down this opportunity. And I said, well, you know, I've got this book that that I've written years ago that I said, but it needs a total rewrite. And it did. I basically just tossed it all out. And then just wrote it again. But I wrote that book in roughly about five or six months because I had lived with those characters for seven years. I knew them. I'd never forgotten them. I mean, I just, I would hear their conversations. I mean, you know, metaphorically, I'm not, I'm not psycho, but I would, I would hear them inside me. And, um, so they were still very much alive. And that story just poured out. And if God would have it, I just finished reading a history book on Chinese Americans in American history and how they helped to build the railroad. And so I was, able to, to weave that in there, and, and honestly, The Inheritance is one of my best-selling books. We just went, I think, a while back, it went over 100,000 copies, for which I'm just so grateful that story's been out for a while, but people keep reading it, and I'm just so grateful, because that was that's really my first story that I ever wrote, but then had a had a chance to talk, you know, we're talking about redeeming things, and I had a chance to redeem that story, um, and honestly, the publisher was right. For saying no, that story needed work, honey. It really needed work. So <laughs> I'm very grateful I got the chance to that I got the chance to write that one again. And um, but you know, yeah, every no along the way, and that's not just in publishing. Every no along the way, every closed door is just part of God's perfect timing, you know. And He'll bring that yes in His timing. And if if, if listeners out there have that discarded dream or something that's been tugging at them. You know, tugging on their, um, tugging on their soul. Ask God about it. Ask the Holy Spirit to, you know, to confirm and to work in that. Cause you're truly, I don't care how old you are until uh, as long as you've got breath on this earth, we need to be using all of our gifts, whatever they are for the glory of God and, and for the, and for the praise of Jesus Christ and to lift him up and to lift his, his name up. Um, and that's honestly what I what I hope. I mean, you know, when readers read a book, one of my books, I hope they're entertained. I hope they're swept away into the walls of those mansions like we were talking about. But more than anything, I really hope that they've taken a step closer to Christ um, somewhere in that journey.
2: Well, Tamara, we have got to end this and so many great tips and reminders you've given us. And just want to remind our listeners to win her favor is the new novel. Tamara Alexander is is our guest and the author. And um, you just have a way. We just encourage people to get your books and to read these stories and to use their imagination with you. So thank you for joining our show and sharing your gifts. And I'm so glad you didn't bury your dream that you allowed God to use it. So encourage you, if you have a dream, out there, go for it. Thanks for joining our show. Until next time.
0: Thank you for being a part of this special program. Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know yourself it's the